to the Wine Beat. You've joined us on this, the second episode of our wine-drinking road trip of the Loire Valley. And in this second installment, we're in Mont-Louis-sur-Loire and Vouvray. Jackie Blow, as you were about to hear, is one of those maverick winemakers who buck the conventional wisdom in a region and basically reinvent a wine. The story is told mostly by Jackie's very articulate son, Jean-Philippe, uh, with some intervention at the end by Monsieur Jackie Blow himself. The very essence of this story is about Jackie's vision to unleash the character of Chenin Blanc in the Loire. Both in the sparkling and still wines, Jackie wanted to produce a dry wine so that the pure expression of the Chenin Blanc uh, and the local terroir could be completely brought out in the wines. So what he did was he ruthlessly and meticulously banished sugar from his wines. He also was very careful about making sure he didn't use underripe grapes. He's very selective in the grapes he uses. And this was a revolutionary thing. Even today, when people talk about Vouvray, they still talk about off-dry wines more often than not. But Jackie Blow and his son Jean-Philippe are changing all of that. And in so doing, they're reinventing the regions of Mont-Louis-sur-Loire and Vouvray. By the way, there are a lot of insights into making sparkling wine in this episode, so if you're a sparkling wine fan, there's tons to discover here. And so without further ado, this is The Wine Beat on the road in Mont-Louis-sur-Loire. Let's go. I'm at the Domaine de la Taille-au-Loup in Mont-Louis-sur-Loire. I'm sitting with Jean-Philippe Blot, or Blot, um, the proper French pronunciation is Blot. He's the son of the famous Jackie Blot, who is a real pioneer and visionary in terms of growing and producing Chenin Blanc wines here in Mont-Louis-sur-Loire, both in still and sparkling forms. So we're going to hear about that. Jean-Philippe, thank you very much for joining me on the Wine Beat. Thank you. So let's just jump in, and please tell me about the family, about the estate. And yes, that's the story of uh, <laughs> my father. So to, to, uh, before, um, before coming in, uh, in Moulouis-sur-Loire, my father was a um, was wine, uh, wine seller at the beginning of the 80s. So he, was, uh, he, he, he loved wines, and uh, he loved Burgundy first, but uh, one day... He tested a wine from Loire, from Mont-Louis, so Chenin Blanc, 100%. And he, 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 he thought it was possible to, to make great, good white wines with single vineyard in this place, not only in Burgundy and other places. So, uh, and it was possible to begin a story in Loire, especially in Mont-Louis, or it could be possible in Vouvray, but it was in Mont-Louis. Because vines, um, he, he can afford vines, because here vines are cheaper. So uh, he began in uh, 1988 with uh, five hectares of, uh, of Chenin Blanc in Mont-Louis-sur-Loire. So Mont-Louis-sur-Loire was not that famous, not like Vouvray or no. Boulogne. But it was a place you could buy the land. Yes, exactly. In fact, Vouvray... Uh, is uh, seven times bigger than Mont-Louis. So I think that's why uh, Vouvray was m- more famous, because you can see more bottles everywhere. So it, uh, people know more Vouvray than Mont-Louis. 
but uh, Molui was the outsider. So to be to be known in Molui, you have to to make something uh, different. That's why, uh, as uh, directly at the beginning, the the first years of the eight of the nineties, he produced uh, totally dry white wine, what was un unusual here, with fermented in barrel, uh, harvesting by hand, on on sorting table, and uh, the, the first years uh, everybody thought uh, this guy is crazy. What what happened in Montlouis sur Loire? The wines of Rouvray are famous because they often have some residual sweetness, and I guess that was the style. Yes, it was like this in Vouvray and even in Montlouis. Same thing. Same thing. And uh, at, at this time, uh, it was difficult to have ripe fruit. So I think it was important to leave sugar in the wines because if you don't leave sugar in wines and you have not very ripe fruit at the beginning, could be very, very dry and uh, very, acidic. very acid, yes. So maybe, so a little bit of sweetness was left to balance the, the, the acidity exactly. because the fruit maybe wasn't that ripe. So that was the style. Exactly. Uh, but your father's vision right from the beginning was to make dry Chenin Blanc. Dry Chenin Blanc on single vineyard so it can produce a different uh, wine depend on terroir. Uh, Chenin can do that. Uh, and... Uh, Little by little, the, his uh, vision uh, installed, and, uh, and today uh, everybody is okay. But at the beginning, it was difficult. Yeah, it was quite different, it was which is a great part of the story. And it's interesting, he didn't come from a wine-growing family. No. Uh, he worked in the wine industry, as you say, uh, as, a, as a merchant or a, a broker. Yes, exactly. But he had a very clear vision for the type of wine he wanted to make. Yes. And he was breaking the mold. Yes. And uh, he has never done a wine because uh, people want this kind of wine. When, when he, during the 90s, when he produced uh, totally dry white wines, it's not trendy at all. Uh, because the... In France, when you in the 90s, when you you went uh, to restaurant, it was with a lot of dishes with a lot of butter, with a lot of sugar, and not uh, not precise cooking. It was different, and I think what helped him was the the the, the way the the chef changed and uh, the way people want more dry, more more. Um, Verity uh, in, in the taste with a simple project and little by little uh, that, that makes the triple zero, for instance, uh, match very well with those kind of new dishes. That's interesting. So matching with the foods that were as the, as the tastes changed in the restaurants, the, yes. um, the type of wine that would match well with those foods changed as well. Yes. You mentioned triple zero, so I don't want to jump too far ahead because we're talking about the history. And yes, yes, we yes. are drinking the. Uh, help me with the pronunciation. Petillon Naturel. Petillon, yes, the the first label of this wine in 1993 was Petillon Naturel non dosé. That means that uh, 
he wanted to produce a dry white wine without any sugar uh, and but sparkling. So triple zero, it's the new name of Petillon Naturel Non Dosé, means that three times we don't add sugar, contrary to a sparkling uh, or a champagne. You 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 know the if if we if we take a champagne for instance the when the grapes are harvested we don't have enough sugar to have 12 degrees of alcohol so we need a first add of sugar and after that to have the bubbles we need a second fermentation in bottle and to have this second fermentation uh, we you need to add sugar second time and uh, after this fermentation you the dead yeast you have to put them off and then to complete the bottle with sugar for the third time you add you add the um, the uh, liqueur at the end to yes to exactly top up, to top up the bottle so in champagne that's in i didn't think about that before so you're you're saying three times during the process of making champagne there'll be sugar added Yes. Chap chaptalization exactly. for the vinification. So they're adding sugar uh, for the uh, fermentation process. Yes. Then with the dosage um, uh, to create the second fermentation in the bottle, yes. that will be sweet. There's some sweetness, some sugar in that. And then when they top up the bottle, uh, after they take out the, uh, the, uh, yes. uh, the, the dead yeast at the end of that bottle fermentation, then when they top that up, be a liqueur with even more sugar yes but your father's approach your what you do here at domaine de la taille is no sugar anywhere in the process no sugar so to do that first you need the ripe fruit so we need it to harvest uh, riper than usual for sparkling of course because we need the natural sugar to not add for chaptalization we transfer the wine into the bottle before the end of his natural fermentation. That's why he, it can have bubbles without add of sugar and without add of yeast because so it's no natural yeast. second fermentation in the bottle. No, it's of the, the okay. end of the first one. Yeah. And after that, um, when the, the, the dead yeast, the natural uh, indigenous in Yeast, indigenous, yeah. indigenous uh, yeah. yeast, uh, <laughs> die. We put them off and we complete with wine and no, no sugar. With, okay. So, so we need we need ripe fruit. The problem was you, when you need ripe fruit is that uh, you have a part which is not good, often uh, with bad root. So that's why uh, every single grapes uh, we put on the sorting table directly in the vineyard to select what we don't want. And after we we transport the, the grapes into into small barquettes. So you do the sorting on a table in the vineyard. In the vineyard, yes. Uh, depend on the year, but uh, on average, one third of the harvesters are around the sorting table yes, to select and put uh, the bad grapes and the leaves and uh, some green berries out. This is a gorgeous sparkling wine that we're drinking, the triple zero. It's very, very, Thank you. very, um, very big on the on the nose. Lots of nice aromas on the nose, fruit and some nice toasty notes. But it's uh, it's also beautiful on the palate. Huh? It's delicious. Yes, 
Well, I, I think the, the risk when you produce a pétillon naturel is to have a, a lot of acidity. Because you don't add sugar, you have nothing to, to hide what is uh, behind. So that's why you need, I think, a, a very ripe fruit. Uh, wh when we press the grapes, we only keep the, we don't keep the first juice, we don't keep the last juice. We keep just the middle, la cuvée. Uh, to, to keep the, you know, the, the middle of the berries, the best part, when you have more roundness. And in fact, we, we are searching uh, sugar without sugar, kind of sugar. Just uh, to, to make a wine uh, uh, nice to drink, not only a leather wine. Now, you said at the beginning or earlier on, you said that perhaps the reason that there was uh, sugar added to the wines and that they had a little bit of sweetness traditionally was because of the grapes have troubles ripening, that they yes. don't ripen so well. Uh, how did your father know that he could get the grapes ripe enough? Um, that seems like a risk. Yes, but even if it was more difficult uh, 30 years ago, it was possible. Uh, it depends the the date of uh, of harvest, and the date of harvest. I think it was uh, one of the most uh, difficult decisions we have to take, even today. Uh, Thirty years ago it was, and today uh, it is. Because uh, if you wait. 30 years ago, you can have bad uh, bad roads, so you just have to to put more grapes out. But you you almost every year you can have ripe fruit. You just have to throw more grapes away. Yes, you, pff, 93 was maybe more difficult, but uh, 89, 90, 92, 94, 95, uh, it was easy. But it was not easy, but it was possible. Yes. Right. Fascinating that he um, was pushing the boundaries and, um, and and trying to do something that was that was quite different in the region. And uh, the other wine growers in the region thought he was a bit crazy to try. <laughs> yes, it was as uh, as well as uh, at the beginning at the one of uh, his first vintage, the the appellation say no, you can't have the appellation because it's unusual. You can. Uh, they were ah, not he used. wasn't being consistent with the rules for the for the Mont Louis sur Loire appellation. Yeah, not not for the rules, but for the testing. They said no, it's it's so different. It's not uh, the typical uh, Chenin of Mont Louis. It's uh, well, but it's changing. They accepted him. Yes, <laughs> today the, the today the appellation is is very very. Uh, Strong and uh, winemakers are very. Uh, they, I don't know. I don't know how to say. They're very good. Uh, yeah, they're very. They have a collegial relationship. Yes, exactly. A collaborative relationship. Yes. More so now than before. M more today, yes, I think. Okay. Hmm. Um, and he also also made a decision to grow organically. Was that also part of his yes. approach? Yes. Was that, and was that different than what was going on? Uh, yes, at this period, uh, people uh, didn't talk a lot about organic. Uh, but it, wa it was not organic to be organic. Uh, my father always think uh, 
a lot on each stage he produce wine so uh, if uh, we we can't we can afford to to not put uh, any pesticide or any uh, we, we do since the beginning not to have a label uh, organic but to because it's uh, his id you know uh, when we harvest in small barquette, uh, it's 10 kilograms, one by one, it's just to minimize the quantity of sulfite. Everything is done like this, but everything, you know. Uh, <laughs> when I was young, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the bathroom, when I changed something, uh, the, the place of uh, something, it was not like this. It's very... Very structured. Very structured. <laughs> Everything <laughs> had Everything. to be in its place. Everything. All right, okay. Um, and he was also, because as you mentioned, the land in the Vouvray um, uh, Appalachian. Yes. Which is very close to here. I'm not sure exactly how far it is. It's two, two kilometers. Okay, so we're right. right next door. Yes. But So the land in Vouvray was more expensive, but... Um, um, why did he believe in uh, Mont Louis sur Loire? What made him believe that this was a great place to grow grapes? Uh, I, different things. Uh, the, the variety, the Chenin, which uh, is one uh, of the most beautiful uh, variety. Chenin can be ripe and acid, and uh, we don't know a lot of uh, variety like this because of the soil, because you have a diversity of soil. And a lot of chalk, so uh, nice, uh, nice terroir. And uh, yes, and and because it was, uh, he can afford, of course. In the beginning. And after that, the so um, during the 90s, he he was just searching for the the best place, the best terroir. Because you you know uh, here in in Montlouis and Vouray, maybe today it, it begins to change, but. Uh, people doesn't care about terroir. So here, 20 years ago, on a wonderful uh, clos, people uh, could uh, produce a lot of sparkling wine with a lot of quantity, and it doesn't matter what soil was. Mm -hmm. So uh, during the 90s, he, uh, he was searching for the best places, terroir. So even in Montlouis or in Vouvray, whatever. The, the idea was to, to find the, the best place. He's very much ahead of his time, uh, thinking about terroir, thinking about yes. um, making wines with uh, less intervention. Um, and he did he love Chenin Blanc particularly at that time? Was that his... Did he have a desire to focus on Chenin Blanc? Yes, he, he loved the Chenin Blanc and he loved the Chardonnay uh, from Burgundy uh, also at this time. But uh, the, 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 the chance uh, we had, if we, if we can say it's a chance, it's a global warming, uh, which uh, helped us to have a riper fruit, not too much ripe, but ripe and, uh, every year. And in Loire Valley, it helped us uh, even for Chenin or for Cabernet Franc. So we can have ripe fruit and always this uh, wonderful acidity which balanced uh, the wine. So Chenin Blanc here, uh, La Taille au Loup is, yes. uh, 
is all about the Chenin Blanc, yes. both in the still and sparkling. Yes, la, um, la Tayoulou is the, is the vineyard of uh, Montlouis and Vouvray. So Montlouis since uh, 1988, Vouvray since 1998. And, uh, and after that, we were searching for uh, red wines. And uh, in uh, 2002, in Bourgueil, a wonderful uh, hill was, uh, was to sell. Yes. And, uh, so it's not very near. It's uh, 70 kilometers from here. But it was a wonderful place, 100% Cabernet Franc. So in uh, 2002, we began to, to produce uh, red wines. Domaine de la Butte. Domaine de la Butte is the yes. name of that uh, estate. Exactly. Making 100% Cabernet Franc. 100% Cabernet Franc. Which is the other, which is on the, you know, the red wine of this region, the, the emblematic, the yes. indigenous red wine. We most have, commonly. yes. W w in Loire, we have two parts. West of Loire, with Chinon, Bourgueil, Saint-Nicolas de Bourgueil, Saumur-Champigny, with Cabernet Franc, uh, sometimes a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon, but maybe 10%, no more. And uh, east, uh, in Sancerre, Mentour, Olic, Ainsi, uh, it's Pinot Noir. So. so tell me a little bit about the characteristics of Chenin Blanc as a grape. I mean, that's, uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to learn more about the variety, yes. generally, and then how it expresses itself particularly here. So, yes, because it's a, it's a, it's a Chenin Blanc here is with his terroir, so it's a, it's a good question. Um, the Chenin Blanc, so as I said, it's a, it's a very nice uh, variety because you can produce from sparkling to dry white wine to half dry wine and even sweet wine sometimes when, the, when you have a nice uh, ripe, uh, ripening. And uh, in, in Touraine, so in Montlouis and Vouvray, we have a lot of chalk. So it, it brings to the Chenin a, a brilliant uh, style. Uh, with aromas of uh, peche de vigne, peach, uh, peach vines, yep. peach vines, yep. peach vines, some um, coin. I don't know how to say coin. I don't know what coin is either. Coin, it's a fruit. Um, um, apricot or uh, yeah, dry, dry apricot. You can have also coin. a lot of dry um, uh, yellow fruit mm -hmm. and coin and uh, yeah, uh, quince. Ah, quince. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Quince. Well, yes. quince. Okay. Quince. Okay. And um, and here, the what is important in our terroir for Chenin is our cellar because um, uh, Chenin because of uh, our cold cellar during the fermentation there is no uh, malolactic fermentation. Okay. Naturally. So thanks to that we. We keep our acidity. acidity uh. Ah, okay. So, firstly, you have uh, cellars that are dug into the limestone. Yes. For uh, storing the wine. Yes. Uh, but because of the temperature in the cellars, there's no malolactic fermentation. The yes. second fermentation that occurs, that uh, when it occurs, reduces the acidity of the wine. So you don't have the malolactic. We don't have malolactic. Uh, Thanks to the cold cellar, but uh, also thanks to the natural acidity in the Chenin Blanc when we harvest. Right. And because we, 
we don't want the we don't want the malolactic fermentation. If you take uh, Anjou, for instance, Savenière uh, or uh, appellation like this, they, they they more often have a malolactic fermentation. Right. So they'll have a softer, rounder version. Yes, exactly. So and but you, you know, you, here you produce a, a brighter. Yes, it's different style. Energetic version. Yes. Okay. And that's Shannon, and it likes the limestone soil that is here. Yes. Limestone. Uh, so we have a lot of chalk uh, on the on the on the soil, and subsoil. You can have uh, clay. You can have flint. Uh, you can have uh, sand. And because you can have a lot of different soil, you can have a lot of different soil. It's very very interesting to me because I was interviewing. Uh, a, a sparkling winemaker in uh, in in Sussex last week, yes. um, Art Tucker at Tinwood Estate, and uh, there it is chalk, with lots of flint on top in the soil, lots of flint. The buildings are made from flint, uh, and Art was describing how this formation goes under the channel under the water and comes back up in this region and also in Champagne. So so you have yes. both the chalk and the flint as well. And the flint, yes. Uh, yes, we have a lot of chalk. Here, uh, you 90, the soil here is up here uh, 90 million years ago when we had uh, the sea uh, above our, our head. And uh, thanks to the algae and fish, mm -hmm. we, have, we have sediment. Yes. Uh, little by little, uh, the when the, the, the it deposits sediment, and when the river uh, appear, the Loire, the Loire dig yeah. slowly the um, this uh, this chalk and makes appear uh, chalk from different ages. Yeah. Okay. From from ninety to ninety three million years ago, and sometimes uh, when the when rivers were very very big it brings something up uh, above the the chalk yes it deposits, deposits. other soils yes. other materials yes and all those kind uh, of uh, soil uh, produce uh, different wines the condition i think to to fill the terroir uh, is to uh, to produce exactly with the same uh, recipe your wine because if you change uh, the way to do a wine, uh, you, you change the test of the wine, not because of the terroir, but because the way you, you have done it. That's why I think uh, dry white wine is important because residual sugar can make the difference in the test of the wine. And I, I think it's, uh, it's not so funny when uh, you produce the wine and it's not the terroir. You know, if, if you take a Meursault Perrier and a Meursault Charm, if in Meursault Perrier you have uh, six grams or eight grams of residual sugar, and it's blind testing, you don't know which one is which one, because sugar makes uh, your Meursault Perrier very round, and it looks like the Charm, and in fact, uh, it's not uh, it's not the terroir. That's why I think it's important to do the same process without any, any sugar. So that's part of your philosophy as well, is to exactly. let the wines express the terroir, the place, Yes. By not interfering. Uh, no. And is that that's the philosophy generally is not to intervene. Let the wine be as natural as possible. Exactly. 
the, as less as possible. Yeah. But not totally alone, <laughs> because uh, if you don't bring the wine a little bit, we, we, we try to we try to do as less as possible, but we had sometimes problems, so we yeah. we readjust the yeah. what we have to do. But I think that makes sense. You don't want to be negligent with the wine. No, you have to you have to you have to care for the wines a little bit. Yes, but wine is natural. Uh, if uh, if the the man who do the wine is is in this nature, yeah. and if it's not, uh, it's not possible. Uh, Monsieur Jackie Blanc. Bonjour. Ça va? Très bien. I'm Craig. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. Um, okay, we have uh, Monsieur Jackie Blanc. Uh, Jean-Philippe Spock joining us. Oh là. Ah. <laughs> Maybe he'll come back. He's like the wind. Chenin Blanc, we're talking about the variety, we're talking about the terroir and yes. how it expresses. Um, and I guess, uh, is there something to be said about the difference between the still wines and the sparkling, the pétillant naturel that you make in terms of the, uh, the, the way the Chenin Blanc uh, expresses itself here? Yes. So uh, the, the dry white wines, as we said, we, we have a different cuvée depend on the terroir, so we have a, we have a few clos, like Claude Moni, Claude Miché, Claude de la Bretonnière, and, uh, and those dry white wines came from a single vineyard, uh, harvested at the same maturity, uh, contrary to the, to the sparkling. Triple zero need almost the maturity of a dry white wines, but we have another sparkling wine. The name is Brut Tradition. And brute tradition help us when we don't have uh, grapes ripe enough. Brute tradition is a way out for our single vineyard cuvée. Uh, for instance, when when we when we are in uh, the Clos de Moni, Clos de Moni, it's 12 hectares, totally walled, one single vineyard, but in fact. Uh, 12 hectares, it's too big to have the same soil. Mm -hmm. Geologically, the soil is different. So for Cuvée Claude Moni, we just keep the middle of this terroir with a good ripeness every year. And around the grapes, uh, we, that, when that uh, can be very ripe, can go to the Brut Tradition. And we adapt, uh, depending on vintages. Um, 2013, for instance, which was a vintage with difficulty to have ripe fruit, we put 80% of this clos in cuvée brut tradition. Okay. You know, because it's we brut tradition don't need don't need a very ripe fruit, uh, but Claude Moni need ripe fruit. Is there a difference in the winemaking between the triple zero and the brut tradition, or just a difference in the way they, the way they taste and smell? Ah, uh, yes, there is difference. Because uh, you're using less ripe grapes in the brut tradition. Yes, so brut tradition, we have a liqueur de tirage uh -huh. for the second fermentation and uh, a very small liqueur d'expédition. Okay. Like uh, last vintage, it was five grams of residual sugar. It could be an extra brut. We, we could not need extra brut. 
instead of but I'm sorry so is it made in the method traditional traditional yes instead of the method ancien because the triple zero is pétillant naturel pétillant naturel which is the method ancestral which it does not have a secondary fermentation in the yes body. the brut uh, tradition is a is a traditional method, method tradition. with a secondary fermentation in the bottle yes ah uh, okay so it's still, still different uh, and this is why you can use a uh, grapes that are less ripe exactly because you can uh, work with it on the secondary fermentation in the bottle yes and exactly After that, aging uh, are the same, both for triple zero and in um, brut tradition. It aged uh, in old barrel from five to 11 years old barrel mm -hmm. during uh, six months. Nine months. Vos amis du Québec, qui viennent, non mais pas vous, mais là, j'avais au téléphone le groupe pour demain. Oui. Oui. Ah, oui. Très bon. Ouais. Alors, moi, je ne parle pas du tout anglais. <laughs> non. <laughs> non. Pas du tout. Non, pas du tout. Yes, you can speak English, <laughs> but, uh, but like a Spanish cow. C'est vrai, ça? Non. Non. Jean-Philippe est en train C'est lui qui fait le travail. Ah, oui. Il fait <laughs> il has, il has done. <laughs> Qu'est-ce que je fais Tu dis tu l'as fait. Tu l'as fait. Ah oui, je l'ai fait. Let me ask you a question. You were a professional parachute jumper, parachutiste. Mm. At one time. Ah, quel mot Tu étais euh, ouais. parachutiste professionnel à une époque. Oui. Ouais. How did you become a professional parachute jumper, parachutiste Comment t'es, comment t'as fait ça Bah, c'était le, le plaisir du sport en fait. C'était oui à, à cette époque-là, c'était beaucoup plus de risques, mm -hmm. beaucoup beaucoup plus. Aujourd'hui, je pense que le, le risque est plus petit, mais à cette époque-là, c'était... Et je me suis arrêté euh, parce que j'avais promis à, à la maman de Jean-Philippe de stopper euh, à un moment. Voilà. Oui. Parce que c'était... Euh, C'est vrai que c'était très dangereux. On a eu beaucoup de... On a vu des... Moi, j'ai vu euh, plusieurs... Euh, parachutiste à cette époque-là se tuer quand même. Ouais. C'est vrai qu'il y avait des, des accidents, c'était quand même. Mais ça demande, it needs uh, to be uh, very, uh, as you said at the beginning, uh, very, uh, very organized, very organized and, uh, very like careful. You have to be very careful. Yes, I think ouais. there, there was no risk for. Ouais. <laughs> non, mais les, les le, le parachute, hein, le, le sport de parachute, le parachutisme, c'est fait par des des sportifs, hein, des, hein, des gens qui font du sport, qui sont, euh, quelquefois on pense qu'ils sont complètement fous, c'est juste l'inverse. Ce sont yeah. des gens qui sont extrêmement sérieux. En 
fait, c'était il y a une époque euh, entre le parachutisme et le, le, la vigne où j'étais courtier en vin. Oui, donc le, le risque, alors que le, le métier de winebroker était un métier hein, qui, qui marchait très bien. Je le faisais avec beaucoup d'enthousiasme et ça marchait très très bien. Et le risque était, euh, c'est parce que ça marchait bien que c'était possible de, de, de penser des vins très compliqués, pas du tout à la mode, plus difficiles au début parce que la famille était à l'abri. On avait quand même une maison. Euh, voilà, c'était... Euh, donc le risque était moins, moins grand. Ah, il, était, il était moins grand et ça permettait de faire le vin qui, qui était pensé. Yeah, yeah. Voilà. Ça n'était pas du tout la mode. Hein. C'était. Euh, it, it was not trendy at all. But uh, 20 years after, uh, everybody uh, demande des vins comme ça. Le Chenin Blanc est le cépage le plus adapté à ce style de vin. Chardonnay, c'est très difficile. C'est exactement. Chardonnay France est un autre grand cépage euh, avec quelquefois une image mais souvent il y a beaucoup de, de cépages qu qui avaient une image très moyenne mm. parce que c'était fait n'importe comment Carignan, ah, Carignan euh, oui, mais quand on fait un, un très beau Carignan, ça fait des grands vins. Quoi. Ah, il y a beaucoup de cépages comme ça. On, a, on, on pense que ce n'est pas un bon cépage. Parce qu'à 100 hectolitres hectares, euh, il n'y a, a aucun cépage qui est intéressant. Voilà. Mm -hmm. Donc le, il y a deux problèmes en fait euh, sur le Cabernet. C'est le même problème. On doit être sur des grands terroirs. Si on est sur des grands terroirs, on a des petits, des rendements beaucoup plus raisonnables. Et si les, si les, les rendements sont raisonnables, la qualité du cabernet peut s'exprimer. So 
And mais, mais sur les grands terroirs, yes, you have red fruit. Le, le rendement est toujours petit et on a forcément because du, du raisin mûr. Because of a very low yield. Et là, dans, sur la Loire, la partie de, du vignoble, le, le Cabernet Franc de Loire, il est pour une toute petite partie seulement sur les grands terroirs. Il y a beaucoup, beaucoup de vignes dans la plaine. Saint-Nicolas, c'est presque tout dans la plaine. Chinon, Bourgueil aussi. Puis il y a une petite partie sur le coteau. C'est vraiment deux terroirs complètement différents. En Bourgogne, c'est Rhône-Romanais, Bourguignon. Ici, c'est Saint-Nicolas de Bourgogne, Saint-Nicolas de Bourgogne. Un seul, c'est Chenin Blanc. Parce que la, la diversité du Chenin Blanc, c'est passionnant. Sparkling, mm. euh, grand, grand sparkling, grand dry, euh, grand, grand moelleux. Enfin, yeah. yeah. C'est plus diversifié. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Merci. Thank you. Tu fais goûter, Merci. Tu fais goûter quelque bah, chose On va goûter deux. Ouais. Ouais. Merci beaucoup. Enchanté. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much for the wines. Thanks for You're the welcome. conversation. Cheers. Cheers. And that was brought to you direct from the Domaine de la Taille in Mont-Louis-sur-Loire with Jean-Philippe Blanc and his famous father, Jackie Blanc. Hope you enjoyed that. Chenin Blanc is one of the greatest white wine grapes in the world, equally at home and exceptional for making wine in many places, South Africa, California, where I live in the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia, But the Loire is its true home. And so to me, it's really exciting to hear a story about how the Loire's best Chenin Blanc winemaking regions can reinvent themselves and in so doing, uh, unshackle themselves and let the wines really soar. And that is the terrific story of Jackie Blanc. Visit us at www.thewinebeat.com to see photos and to read more about the domain and Jackie and Jean-Philippe. There's lots of information on the Loire on our website, so there's more content, lots of content, and it kind of ties together this whole Loire Valley trip that we've been taking. And the next stop in our Loire Valley wine tour is Chinon at Domaine Bernard Baudry. Come back for that. Um, Chinon is the home of Cabernet Franc. Some of the greatest Cabernet Franc wines in the world come from here. Domaine Bernard Baudry makes fantastic traditional Cabernet Franc, and it's really worth coming back for that episode and hearing more about uh, about how they make it, about their caves, about the terroir-specific expressions, because that's really what it's all about. Um, in that part of uh, Chinon, it's about the slopes and the terroir and the different soils. So very interesting stuff. Um, don't miss the podcast that we've already done with Pierre-Henri Gadet in Sèvres-et-Maine in the Muscadet region. That's already been published, so that's a really good episode and a good introduction to you know, the beautiful, fresh, uh, bright uh, Muscadet wines of, of the western Loire Valley. And with that, here's the fabulous James Wilson to close us out. So long from me, Craig. See you soon. Bye. You can talk about